You are listening to the In Context podcast. So is this video or just sound? Both. So Both. I'd, I better I'd... look interested then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. All right. That, that'll be hard. Okay. Thank you, Ian. <laughs> Hi. How are you doing, mate? Good to have you. Good. Good. So it's the first time we've had a pastor, director of a ministry organisation, uh, author, you're a podcaster, husband and father, and a foster carer. So what do you do when you spare time, bruv? Uh, I'm a superhero. <laughs> I'm a plastic pants man. Yeah. Are, are you looking for something else to do? Are you, are you bored? I know. When people say it like that, it does sound like I do a lot, but I'm sitting here thinking I don't do that much. So, But probably most of it's just words. Yeah. <laughs> no, I see you do quite a lot of work, to be honest. Yeah, you're used by my wife when she thinks I'm being lazy as an example. So when I say I'm tired, she often says, well, how do you think Mez feels? I'm like, I'm but not then really... I'm used by you as an example to your wife of what a good husband you are. So I get used both ways, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We both basically both use you, don't we? Yeah, praise the Lord for that. <laughs> you ask her, by the way, whether you could come out and play with me this week. I have, yeah, she said I can. So I'll have to So I'll probably come out play out on Sunday. Sunday to Fridays. Adhering to the COVID-19 rules. Obviously. Obviously. We're clear about that. Yeah. But now looking forward to it. Should be good to to meet up to do some work because we're allowed to meet up to do work. No, I'm seriously got to write this flipping book of mine's turned into a monster. Look at this. That there is my actual notes. So is that the, the book... <clears throat> for the FIEC that you're doing jointly with them? Well, yeah, it's not for the FIEC, but it's a book that the FIEC helped partly sponsor. They sponsored the research for it. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, I paid, we paid a guy over two years, a PhD student who was a specialist and whatever, to research um, the council estates and schemes in um, in Great Britain and then London as a separate entity. Um, and so... As you can imagine, he came back with a lot of data. Mm. So, was anything uh, surprising or was pretty much everything? That much surprised. Now, I was surprised at the number. So there are 38,500 council estates wow. across the UK. Mm. And you would be lucky if you found 100 gospel preaching churches. Yeah, is that right? It's, 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 a, it's a mess out there. And then... I suppose we knew the north was bad, but this north, including Middlesbrough and all up the coast, we found what um, researchers call um, a corridor of spiritual deprivation. Right. Just communities decimated by all sorts of things, you know, ex-fishing industries, mining towns, etc. Manufacturing centres just left since the 80s, really. Mm. And... When business and employment went, it appears so did the churches. Mm. And so they're pretty much ghost towns. So it's, it doesn't make it doesn't make for great reading. Yeah. But uh, there's some encouragements, right? So the, so the book is just, um, the, the, FIC, the, the FIC paid for the research bit. And then um, I'm, I'm sort of writing the rest. So it's cool. we're hoping it's going to be used as a textbook, mm. as well as a sort of call to for more people to um, engage in ministry in our communities, right? Mm. 
Do you think it would be helpful as a tool for funders to look at as well? Do you think that might help? Yeah. I mean, what I'm trying to do is produce something that's saying, basically, look, here's the, here, here's the hard facts. Mm. I'm not going to look at every stat. In fact, the, the stats will all be in an appendix in the back of the book. So if you're in England or Scotland or Wales or Ireland or London, you can look at your own section and extrapolate what information you want to extrapolate. And then the rest of the book is me just setting the scene, what's the current plight today, what's the working class, what is what is working class, looking at those questions, because everybody disagrees on that, um, what the Bible says about these issues, looking at um, where the church has gone wrong, where the, where the church can go right, looking at theological education, how can we make that more accessible for people from our communities. And uh, there'll be articles and essays from a and, and life examples from a range of churches and, and, and people and, and church leaders, not all of whom will agree with me, but I want it to be a, a book that's robustly, that you can, that's robust, got different perspectives, but can be used as a workbook for um, anyone from theological students to people interested in ministry. And yeah, it'd definitely be a help to people who are, who are going to fund or will hopefully fund planning. So we'll see. I was chatting with with Nathan just the other day, and I was saying that there's as much as people and I have in the past complained about the unfair allocation of funding to, to churches, they do have a difficult job to try and understand what is worthy of funding and what is less worthy, uh, such as uh, there may be a large church in an area doing very little that gets a lot of funding, or there may be a small church doing a lot which which might not seem worthy, and it's very different, difficult to to find a scale which shows what's worth backing and what isn't, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it definitely is. And there's just like a, and particularly in our end of the market, here's the problem for guys who are ministers in our end of the market, and I call it that on purpose because that's what it is. Uh, ministry to the poor is a multi-million pound industry, mm. um, and our end of the market is swamped by hundreds of parachurch organizations, countless that Christians with a heart for the poor plow their money into and often churches and often what they don't realize that they're doing is they think they're supporting ministry in our communities and to some degree they are but often they're doing it to the neglect of supporting pastors like us and others who are slogging away on the ground but they're, they're not as sexy as a parachurch organization they don't have the great media savvy you know uh, people they don't have uh, a great website presence and and you know people who can take trips and do wonderful powerpoint presentations and and and, and fundraise and and then, and then so, so often we get left behind so i'm hoping the book will address some of those problems but not only address it but offer realistic solutions going forward in fact i'm getting one of the guys i'll ask one of the guys who's been quite helpful to both of us. That, that I forget his name now. He's uh, involved in funding. I think the guy's got cancer. He's got cancer. Yeah, generally. Yeah, I got him to write, you know, have a look at my, some of my findings and write an article about how does he think funders should respond to what I'm saying and how can we help them to res not just criticise them, which is often what I get accused of. You're telling us what the problem is. You don't offer any solutions. So I'm hoping the book... We'll say, look, here are some problems, long-standing ones. Here are some solutions that we all think about: ch local churches, Christians who give, theological institutions, and giving organisations. If we want to tackle the problem properly, and let's 
uh, let's understand it's a problem and stop denying it. Mm. And let's look at the, the various people who hold the reins of power, including us now, thankfully, <laughs> with influence and say, Right then, what can we do to make the situation better? So I'm really hopeful for it. I honestly am. So a lot of people think I'm going to write the book and just throw hand grenades at middle class people, and that that's not the intention at all. Actually, you know, we're way past that. Mm -hmm. um, we've got to work together on this. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, we, we, again, that's something we were discussing the other week. Is I think there was a time where we needed to make a, a big noise to get attention to the needs, and I think now that people are listening, it's a time to like you say, give answers, give solutions to the problem yeah, and yeah. not just highlight the problem. So grateful that we're getting the opportunity to do that. Uh, looking forward to this book as well. Hopefully uh, this will help with some change. But something that I, I'd realised because I'd been making a loud noise for a while and then I was aware of these problems and then all of a sudden uh, through 20 schemes and 20 schemes inspired my, my life became a little bit easier. Funding uh, was a big issue for me. So when I came under 20 Schemes Inspired and my salary was looked after, our church started being able to do what we wanted to do and was reach the community instead of travelling the country trying to look for support. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It, it took a big burden off me. Uh, and then I, then I started to get a little bit comfortable and it was a bit of, I'm all right, Jack. And... Uh, yeah, the temptation was just to think, "Oh well, I'm getting paid." <laughs> do you know what I mean? I can do my ministry. I'll just, I'll just sit back and uh, back off now. But again, speaking to some other lads in my position, like the lads down in Clackheaton and in Leeds and 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 across the north of England, start feeling a little bit convicted and start thinking, "Well, how can we as a church help with this problem? How can we play our part? How can we support people in the same way that you and Twenty Schemes have supported us at New Life Church?" So. That's why we, we we looked at setting up Medhurst Ministries, which is basically a rip-off of 20 schemes. You know, like when you go abroad and you get the the, the cheap Gucci watches and stuff like that that last about two weeks. We are like that that type of uh, organisation at the moment. But what we are hoping to do is to uh, develop into something probably not as big, but something uh, as, as useful for the lads in the north of England. So does that book kind of highlight a need for what we're doing? Hang on, I'm just making a note. I'm just making a note of what you said about um, how the money we got you, you through 20 schemes. Re um, I forget all the names now. We've, we've got everything. It's not retrained. <laughs> Inspire uh, helped you focus on the church and the other one around the country making money. And I think that will be an interesting little article for you to write yeah. for, for the books. I'm just making a note. So sorry, I asked you a question again. Yeah, so what I was saying was, because my life became easier, the temptation was to, like, back off now. I'll stop mm -hmm. making waves. We're getting looked after. We've got a couple of supporters from down south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A big supporter up in 20 schemes. So I'll just keep sweet, keep my mouth shut, and, and, and I won't rock the boat. But then I'm looking at these other lads in the north of England, like Graham and Cleckheaton, a church of, of nine people. Every couple of months he's worrying about where his salary is coming from. And yeah. I just felt that conviction that, do you know what, I still need to be yeah, yeah, yeah. involved helping these lads out. So that's why we thought about Medhurst Ministries. And because uh, I think the biggest problem I had was feeling isolated. And it was only these little breaks up to Scotland and, and getting involved with the 20 scheme lads that 
made me feel part of a team. And that was really what helped me get through the difficult times until we were in a more stable position. So I was just wondering, does that book highlight the need for something like a 20 schemes in the north of England? Is Medhurst Ministry something that you... I mean, the book is not going to emphasise that particularly, but when we use one of your... When we use your church as a focused church Mm. in one of the chapters, or a couple of the chapters, I'm going to use like an example from each each sort of... I can't use every example, but I'm going to point to a couple of examples in England. I'm going to look at... I'm looking at an, an Asian church and how they... They struggle because, yeah. you know, they're pretty underrepresented. Look at your church in the north and maybe a church or so in London. And um, that's when you'll get the opportunity to say, rather than for me to say it, is for you on the ground to say it. And I just put it on the pages of the book. Does that make sense? Mm. Otherwise, I can just say, yeah, well, they need this in the middle, but they need that and that. But I don't really know what they need in Middlesbrough. I'm your pal. We love you. Um, we support you because we trust that you know what they need in Middlesbrough. So in that sense... Um, the book will have it. It's interesting, Meadows Ministries, uh, been a knockoff of um, 20 Schemes. 20 Schemes is a knockoff of, um, excuse me, 20 Schemes is a knockoff of flipping Thomas Chalmers' work in the late 1800s in Scotland when he built, basically, he was a posh, flipping, liberal Church of Scotland dude from a very rich family, got converted, led the free church, actually. He's the one who, involved in setting up the free church college and leading the free church starting the new denomination but one of the things he did was in glasgow he started a project to rebuild uh, 20 uh, churches in 20 of glasgow's poorest communities mm. and so really that's a rip we're not, we've not created anything new but i love it when it rippers off it's great we've got rip-offs all over the world so two of the most notable ones that are really going at the minute is one's in in Canada and one's in Baltimore, which is an absolute, mm. that's a rough place. Is that Joel's uh, church? Yeah, in, in, in the States. And so they're not copy, they're not doing exactly what we're doing, but I think they're what, like what you're doing is they're copying the principles. Mm. Uh, and so just for you, just explain to us, at least to people, my listeners, because our listeners come from everywhere who will tune into this, um, who don't know what, Meadows Ministries is and what you're trying to achieve. That that might be helpful. Yeah, so so Medhurst is is particularly we took the name Medhurst from a guy called Thomas Medhurst who was a working class man who got saved and as soon as he was saved couldn't stop himself from preaching the gospel and this upset some of the congregation in the church. They were like, "How is this uneducated man uh, going to do anything but bring shame upon the gospel?" So they asked Spurgeon who was the pastor of his church to, to, to stop him. So he approached the guy and said, look, our congregation wants me to stop you preaching in the street. Uh, they're worried that you'll bring shame to the gospel. So he said, if you want to stop me preaching, you're going to have to chop my head off. So he said, I, I can't do that, but what I can do is I, I can train you. So that's where Spurgeon's College was set up. It was set up to fund this guy. Uh, this guy was offered a stipend. He said, no, I can earn money by vocationally as a rope maker. So Spurgeon used the money that was raised for him to to bring in more students. So even Thomas Medhurst used uh, his skills to help support the college. And that, that again, is something that was lacking for me. Most of the lads in the north who get saved go down south to train. Uh, they meet a nice southern girl and they stay down south. And so any there's, there's very few pastors in the north and the ones that are called to ministry end up usually down south ministering. So our aim was, first of all, was to 
to start some training college, a bit like the Ragged in the north of England, to train and support pastors. So they stay in the north of England, firstly. But then secondly, we started looking at uh, the support that you offered me and and uh, the training that you're offered to existing pastors. So, so what we're hoping to do is pretty much support existing church plants and help with right, revitalization. And then eventually, as we grow, hopefully we can be a partnership with churches that plant other churches in the forgotten towns and villages of the north, north of England, in particularly that corridor you were talking about. Uh, from Hull to Berwick, we have a huge coastal area which is impoverished, like you say, the there's a place like Bridlington, which the only employment was the Dairy League cake fam, uh, factory and, and fishing. And then the, the fishing's been decimated. So there's like generations of unemployment on these beautiful coastal villages, which were pretty much self-sufficient 50, 60, 70 years ago. So again, just basically we want to highlight the need in the north. Uh, we want to encourage people to come and plant and uh, be gospel workers in the north uh, and support those who are already doing ministry up here so they're the three main things that we're looking at doing and you and there's also overlap isn't there with church and other places you're the european director okay i'll give you the titles now you're the european director of church and our places which is basically acts 29's um version of 20 schemes mm. but 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 around the world which again aims to equip and train pastors this is worldwide um, and um, hopefully link them up with partner churches, particularly in America, looking to financially help uh, churches. And so, uh, so there's a lot of crossover between 20 schemes, church in our places, Meadows Ministries, and all all these other ministries. And I think that's only a good thing, right? I think that's yeah, yeah. positive for the kingdom. Because mm-hmm. uh, you've got what eight or nine lads. Yeah, we're going to meet up at some point soon with through Meadows and yeah. Yeah, COVID permitting that. We've, we've had to cancel, I think, two or three. So hopefully we'll get one out yeah. this year. There's plenty of need out there. I, I basically think we're going to pick up every council estate guy, particularly the younger ones. Mm. I mean, I, I've given up with the older generation. They just they don't want to know mm. about the evangelicals. But these young lads who are going out now in pastoral ministry in their late 20s, 30s, even 40s, um, we'll pick them up. But well, there's so few of them because not many anyone's doing ministry. So we're hoping that. You know, it it'll grow as more people. Um, I'm hoping this book is a rocket to young people thinking they mm. want to go into do some sort of mercy ministry, but instead say, "Don't do that. Come and come and train to be church planters with us, or uh, gospel revitalizers." So um, that's how I think I'll hope uh, that we grow both our ministries. Right? Yeah. I mean, schemes is massive right now, anyway, but. Well, I think it hits two two demographics. It hits the middle class lads who have been churched, who yeah. uh, were excited. We were talking to a lad called Sam Anderson, who's at Steve Neal's church in Oldham, and he said he was excited about the gospel need and and the vision and the gospel opportunities, and wanted to do something different. So he was inspired by the ministry. Uh, but then there's also working class lads like me and you, who in, in some churches would find it difficult for gospel opportunities where. Hopefully we can offer opportunities to people yeah. who don't fit the, the typical mould of pastors or church planters. Yeah. And so and to be clear, what we're not saying to people when we're watching this, I keep banging this drum is we're not saying we're not we're not saying we only want to help working class guys in working class communities. We want to we're saying we want to help all 
people, regardless of their cultural background, who want to work in our communities. Mm. We don't go down south to flipping, whatever it's called, Oak Hall. What's it called? Oak Hall? Oak Hill? Oh, One of them's yeah, oh, Hall. Hall. <laughs> uh, don't go down there to get trained. Come and get trained by us. Yeah. Um, There's as much theological acumen as these guys, and actually, one reason we started the Ragged School of Theology, and said, you know, I mean, three of three of our our faculty have got at least master's degrees. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And so people say, "Oh, yeah, but you know, you need to go and get qualified by a proper trainer." That's a lot of nonsense. Come and get quali- Come and get qualified to do ministry on council estates by guys who live on council estates, come from council estates, do ministry on council estates, and can both educate you and show you how to do it properly. So I'm quite excited for the future for that. And we've not launched. Um, ragged school publicly yet because we're still in the in the process of developing it but we're we're pretty close our three-year curriculum now is it is pretty spot on mm. um, and our partnership with the union hopefully will we'll go from strength to strength anyway blah 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 yeah, you've got some really good uh lecturers on that course as well haven't you i think two of the best i've seen anyway not you and me yeah <laughs> <laughs> i agree <laughs> if, if we don't say it no one else will no no we'll say it we're the best yeah, yeah well I, we've got the best pastor and preacher in the world anyway according to my daughter esther so we, we we were sat that you we were sat thanks she's the daughter like she's like the daughter i never had <laughs> i've had two daughters yeah you, you, you sat there rachel's Talking about Paul Washer being amazing, then Esther went, No, he's not the best. And I was waiting for it to say daddies, and she went, Mezzes. <laughs> trust me, trust me. I get no love in my own house. So <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. She's everyone's fan but me until it's Christmas time. <laughs> Christmas time, birthdays, or have we got any spare cash, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, your PAs just text me to ask me if uh, we're doing a podcast. You say no. Say where, no, where is it? Go on, take. Say where is he? I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely raging. I've been sat here for twenty minutes like a numpty. She's on holiday, isn't she? No, isn't no. She? Text us, and she'll text me, and that'll be good. We'll have a bit of fun with this. <laughs> Just text. Where is he? I think because what she's done is look at, we're men in our forties, and look at the state of us. <laughs> childish or what? Yeah, I'd like to blame COVID, but... I was about to say that. I would blame lockdown, but I'm an immature git at the best of times. <laughs> yeah, I think what happened was I've sent the link out and so has Peter, so... Yeah, yeah, I know. They did. I got, like, three different links. I'm like, I'll just go with yours. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're on it. So, the problem... I don't think Anna trusts either of us. She probably trusts me a little bit more than you, but... <laughs> wow. That is fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, so I, I kind of forgot what we were chatting about now, but I think uh, no, the the tide is changing, isn't it? I think people are listening and opportunities. I, I mean, I still can't get over what. So, so you reckon there's about thirty eight thousand council estates without churches, and is that about right? There's about thirty eight and a half thousand council estates in the UK. Yeah, and what we mean by that is they're designated by the uh, statisticians is any, uh, anywhere from 1,500. So it can have an estate can be anywhere from 1,500 to 20,000 people. So, yeah. And so they would say that there's 38,500 of these. Now, 
I can't remember off the top of my head if that's the actual full number. That's not the. There's more council estates in that. Yeah. Our research covered that amount, so we covered the worst ten percent in the country. Yeah. And so you know, but what we found is people say, "Oh well, my work falls into the bottom five percentile." You know, we're in the top five percent or the top ten percent or the top. Yeah. And I was saying to somebody there, listen to me. All our research has shown is this. The difference between a church, a community that falls into the 1% most deprived in the UK mm-hmm. and let's say the 50% most deprived in the UK isn't 49%. The mm-hmm. interest is just so negligible, it's unbelievable. Yeah. They're both deprived. This one is just more deprived than the other one. So people go, well, I don't, because we got, I got phoned up and asked by a church girl, I've got this church plant we would love 20 schemes to be involved in but we're only in like we're only in scotland's most deprived we're only in like the bottom 25 percent and da, da, da. i'm like well the bottom 25 percent isn't like 20 times more well off than the bottom five percent do you know what i mean it, it doesn't work like that so this this is why these stats can be and i say this in the book can be a bit misleading um do you know what i mean everybody's in a rush to say i'm we're the most we were joking about this weren't we we're the most deprived yeah. and the only one that can Say with any shadow of a doubt, most deprived town in the UK is your town. Mm. Across the board, it's an absolute shocker. You fill basically the top three slots all on your own, mm. and that includes London. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, but I think with the figures, I think, I think people get a bit like, you know, they think, well, if it's the top 5%, if you're in the 20, 25%, you're much richer than that. Do you know what I'm saying? But you're not. Yeah. <laughs> You might just have a better bus service <laughs> or someone can have the most, de- most, de- you can live in the most deprived council estate. Let's say, let's pick Oldham with our pal Steve Neal, right? Yeah. And it is the most deprived council estate in, in the country, mm-hmm. but because it's in a town surrounding it that's richer, that, that pulls its median up. And that's yeah. where the, I think the confusion lies. Oldham's the most deprived or is Middlesbrough. No, Oldham has the most deprived estate. But Middlesbrough is poorer across the board yeah. in a wide range. Do you see what I'm saying? So these are the sorts of things that, trust me, this book's been two years in the writing. It, it, you, you've got to try and, because um, statistics can be used to do anything. Yeah. So you've got to, I'm trying to um, ensure that, one, it's understandable, and two, this parity. Has she uh, texted you back yet? Yeah, she put... Don't know. I messaged him at eleven thirty, and Peter set up the call, but I haven't heard back. Hang on, then I'll see. I'll see. Am I doing this podcast or what? what? <laughs> got another call at two o'clock for another scheme. Yeah. So, so well, I mean, we've got something like eight or nine. When lockdown ends, we've got like eight or nine things just to go. Yeah, wow. So that's on top of what you've already got. Yeah, so there's like we've got ten schemes now, mm-hmm. but we've got a waiting list. Are you going to change your name to thirty schemes? Do you think? Or... No, somebody was asking that. No, we're twenty schemes. I think. I think. <laughs> we'll, it, let's just see what happens. Because yeah. um, we've we, we've broadened out. You know, we've got twenty schemes music. Yeah. Twenty schemes publications. Now we're going to start publishing these. Bible commentaries, um, 20 schemes, retrain, the geezers like you. No, 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 you're inspire, not retrain. <laughs> 20 schemes, retrain is what we've just 
just about to start up opening out of the cafe and everything more businesses yeah and creating employment opportunities for people from our communities so yeah things are a bit mad but good it's encouraging yeah yeah and again uh, encouraged i've had the opportunity to chat with some lads in nigeria uh through the church in our places calls i mean that's probably yeah. been one of the highlights of lockdown for me is uh, when i'm feeling sorry for myself thinking i'm in a hard place listening to them when there's a riot going on outside the front door and places the guys are warriors aren't they yeah yeah big big cheesy grins on the face oh yeah so thankful for the tiny support that we offer them yeah uh, yeah they're just so thankful and love the yeah, lord that's going to be one of the hardest things about lockdown for me I like traveling, like going over to Africa and Brazil and that, and seeing these guys in the communities and mm. you know, meeting with them and encouraging them and training them and teaching them. So I'm actually looking forward to getting back and doing that again. That's really, that's one of the best. I think, I think we've got something like two, 200 guys being trained around the world right now mm. during lockdown. So we've got praise the Lord for that. Like you say, you know, the tide is turning and you want to be at the, the head of it. I mean, I used to tell you this years ago, you just used to look at me like I was talking shit, which I probably was. <laughs> and now you've got lads doing it to you. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I was just saying, just trust me, hang on in there, lads, it won't be long. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's hard though, isn't it? When It's hard when you're in the mix of it and, yeah, you've got your own sin, you've got... Uh, then you're fighting for your life. You've got no money, your skin, no one seems to care. The evangelical church is indifferent to you. If you say anything and you've got a bad attitude, you've got an attitude, I mean, it's absolutely brutal. Mm. You know, and I think one of the ways, particularly, like the, you know, that, you know, one of the reasons we set up Inspire is we've got to try and find ways we can get money to guys. Yeah, we yeah. can get a guy's salary stable. It does take a lot of pressure off his life, his family, his ministry. Mm. You know, otherwise, someone once said to me, why are you always traveling around everywhere? you got church minister, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, give me the money and I'll tell you right now, I'll stay at home. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll do it. I, I, I hate it, but, you know, it's it, it's a brutal job, but it's it, 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 it's got to be done, hasn't it? Mm. UK churches are just not giving money to our, our ministries, are they? That's the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah, there's a kind of... Uh... Yeah, there's been a tradition of where the money goes to and it kind of stays that way as well. And even I was surprised that there were so many trusts out there that I hadn't even heard of. And I was shocked that nobody had actually bothered to tell me that they were there. So when I've been traveling the country and saying I'm struggling for finances, uh, five years later, I find out that these churches have been accessing the fund that they could have mentioned to me. <laughs> so just even uh, having the knowledge of where to go for funding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. To find that. So yeah, it's only it's only by accident I found out a few places. I mean, we bought we bought a funding book. I don't know what it's called, hmm. but it gives you all the funders in the UK. Yeah, yeah, that's five hundred quid. So someone's making money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I don't think we did that well out of. We got a few grand here and there, but nothing nothing major. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, just funders asking me. So we 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 got a grant for uh, Rachel, my wife's salary. And we'd applied a couple of times and been knocked back. Then I actually I spoke with someone and explained what we're doing because even trying to ex the questions that are asked on these application forms are irrelevant to what we're doing. 
And if you're not doing a food bank, if you're not doing an alpha, you're yeah, seen yeah. as, well, what are you doing then? How are you evangelizing? How are you reaching people? More yeah. like, well, by meeting with them and living with them and communicating with them and being the friends and sharing the Bible with them. So, yeah. So how we actually do successful ministry on the ground is seen as yeah. irrelevant because to a lot. Because we've grown up. And again, this is our end of the pool. What I mean by that is mercy ministry, social justice, ministries that come up to, to help the oppressed in society, they're all based largely on um, output, outcomes. Mm. They want, I, mean, I remember got, re, going applying to a grant and one of their questions was about measurable outcomes. Mm. What does that mean? Well, how many people are converted? How many people did, have eaten the food? How many did, 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 did? And you've got to have all these measurable outcomes in order to justify the grant. I'm not saying they shouldn't have accountability that's different but how do you measure outcomes when you're sowing seed in the kingdom of god and jesus says 75 percent of the what you sow is going to fail that's not a great measurable outcome is it yeah. i've written that on a few forms yeah. didn't get any funding but it's a genuine point isn't it mm -hmm. i think that's it's a good thing that's one of the points maybe we need to make in the book when we're thinking about funding and funders is that you know maybe we just need such a radical rethink mm around our, our end of the pool. I read a brilliant book about housing. I can't remember what it's called now. A brilliant, I've read too many books, but this guy worked 35 years in social work, social mm. care systems and giving grants and working with, with um, like people in need. And so he, had, he, he his organization, his part of the social care organization, they, the, the more they could prove Outcomes, the more money they got. Mm. But the outcomes they had to prove to get money was that they were dealing, um, that they were helping the most like difficult or the most in need people in the communities. Mm. And so he said, here's what he know when he noticed the problem. He had two lads came to see him. One was an apps that they wanted to apply for some, let's just say, a, a food pamper or a grant or something right one of the lads came with man he was an absolute he's a tearaway little rogue always into trouble getting up to uh, no good all the time and the other lad used to be a little rogue but he got his life together you know got himself doing well in school really making some great strides and uh, this social worker couldn't help the good lad improve his life because he knew if he did, he'd lose funding. Mm. Because he needed to help the bad lads to justify the work that he was doing. And he said, not long after that, he resigned. Because yeah. he said, what are we doing here? This mm. poor, good, this good lad who needs the help, you know he's going to progress. <laughs> he's completely out of the market. But the young lad, which you know is going to abuse the system and he's just using it to milk it, he gets the money because it, 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 it looks more favourable in his report. Yeah. Mad, isn't it? I, exact same thing happened to me just after I became a Christian. I, I stopped doing the doors because it, it was <laughs> obviously it wasn't a good environment for me to be on as a, as a new believer, and, and I needed a job. So I went down the job club, and uh, they were giving out uh, free mopeds and, and and cash and training to to people mopeds so you could get to work, you know, to work interviews yeah. and stuff like that, and uh, all, all kinds of grants for clothes for interviews and things like that. 
So I, I went down. Oh, and you could get a job on the. There was like guaranteed jobs if you did a three day training course with with British Rail. So I went down, and the woman said, "Oh, uh, are you an addict?" I said, "No, I'm, I'm clean now. I'm off the drugs." She was like, oh, "Have you been in prison recently?" I said, "No." She was like, "Oh, right. Uh, can't help you then." <laughs> I was like, "What?" She said, "Oh, these courses are only for people who are out of prison." Or, or, or addicts. She said, can you lie? I said, well, no, I'm a Christian. The reason I'm off the drugs is I've just become a Christian. <laughs> she was like, oh, I really, the only way I can help you is if you lie and say that you've got an addiction. There was one other reason. Oh, if I'd have been on the dole for longer than three years, I said, so if I take drugs, go to jail, and I'm on the dole for three years, you can help me. And she was like, yeah, unfortunately. And there's all these like nutters driving around on these free moments that have gone to these interviews, like, cocked it up on purpose, a bit like on train spotting where they take speed. Yeah. <laughs> then getting a free moped for the pleasure. And you just think of the millions of pounds wasted uh, keeping people in poverty. It's, it's horrendous, isn't it? Yeah, and it, but that's what we're up against. You got you think about it. I was saying this to a guy once. I said, I go to a church to do a presentation on 20 schemes and I show some toothless drug addict with tattoos, yeah. an attitude problem. Yeah. The guy follows me up with pictures of sweet children. Yeah. You know? Sign of hunger, blah, 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 blah. Who's getting the money every time? Not that they, they, the kids should get the money. I'm not making that point, but you see what I'm saying? It, it, it's basically, it's, it's why guys from our communities, and I did it in the early days, you go to a church and you just sex it up. Mm. Oh, 25% of our church and 25% of our community, you know, they've only got one leg and 300%, uh, do you know what I mean? Addicted to yeah. crack and, and, you, and oh, we're like the fifth most violent neighborhood in europe and do you know what i mean because you're just trying to you're trying to generate something yeah. in order to try and stimulate the giving of people who generally just completely bamboozled that's what most christians in the pulpit they're like they're not ungenerous they're mm. generous it is like where the flipping heck do i give my money yeah, yeah i think one of the articles which steve levy has written for us is give it to local churches to support local churches because yeah. we are never going to be able to compete with the sexiness of a multi-million pound mercy ministry or 20 schemes can now but we're not a mercy ministry and so you know we've got a part of what we're trying to the battle is trying to educate people isn't it and just even educate funders and saying yes you know like some of our funders for um our our retrain our back to work project of course they want to see financial returns we're putting it into businesses mm. Church, you know, planting ministry is not, we shouldn't be treating it like, you know, it's a business where we want to see all these so called returns and bang for our buck. Otherwise, we're getting left behind. And actually, we are getting left behind <laughs> and we'll get further behind unless the system changes, right? Mm. Yeah. Big questions, yeah. What, sorry, bro? Big questions, these big, big yeah, issues. Yeah. Well, well he's, he's, he's another one. How do you decide wh whether a church needs funding, even if it's small? Because you could have a church that's doing absolutely nothing and detrimental to the community and alienating the people of that community. And that's why it's small, because they're not doing what they should be doing. Or you've got a church that's small because everyone they reach uh, ends up dying of addiction or something or... Yeah, yeah. The sins or end up back in. Do you know what I mean? Because there's people who get saved who still have the consequences of the crazy living. So I, I was chatting yesterday about a woman who got saved and six months later she was dead because of the years prior to getting saved of alcoholism. Mm -hmm. So 
there's there's reasons why people move from the estates because they're in temporary housing and things like that. So it's hard to build up a membership of indigenous people. Uh, but then sometimes there's a there's a failing church and it's the fault of the church, not the the community that it's in. So again, these are these are questions that need to be asked, and I don't think we should just assume because you're on a council estate that that church needs supporting. No, I agree. I agree, hundred percent. Yeah. So again, it's not as simple as just sending money out, is it? I think there's a lot of conversations that still need to be. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So what what's kept you in the game so long then? Because like. Some of the lads I'm talking to now, I'm like, lads, you don't know you're born. And <laughs> they're like, well, you, you're only still in it because you've been hanging on the coattails of Mez. So you've been in it, what, nearly 20 years now? 20 years plus? My 22nd year. Yeah. So what's kept you in it then? Because obviously, like, my head was done in after 10 years of planning. I've been in this type of ministry since 2007, so a while, but not as long as you. And the responsibility wasn't on me until what, eight years ago to find the funding. And, and that's took its toll. And I felt like packing in a few times. What's been the secret to your longevity in this? Well, apart from the obvious answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even with the obvious, whether it's, it's, it's your love for the Lord, it's his providence, it's his... Yeah, I, I, it's my love for the Lord and the doctrines of grace. There you go. And everybody hates that answer. I gave that answer to once in a church in Wales and the guy was, what do you mean? What's it got to do with the doctrines of grace? Mm -hmm. The doctrines of grace keep me going because it's God who's sovereign. It's God who call his elect unto himself. My job is merely to preach the gospel and disciple people. And so people die, people walk away, people fail. Yeah, you get upset. Yeah, it, 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 it's hurtful at times, but you rest on the fact of uh, God's sovereignty. And that stops you actually from having a messiah complex. That's the first thing. Secondly, I married well. And I've got a good wife and a stable, solid family, <coughs> family home life. Um, thirdly, um, my, our theological convictions around church polity. Um, interesting, isn't it, that um, we've seen a few high-profile guys go again this year. And again... When you get past all the smoke and mirrors, it comes down to polity once again. You know, um, I have got good elders around me uh, and a good church that uh, understands me. I've been with them for this is my 14th year that has grown to my ministry uh, and the ministry of others. Um, and as, is 100% behind the vision of 20 schemes. Also, Probably, uh, I uh, my sense of humour keeps me going. I'm incredibly, as you know, witty. <laughs> Although I'm saying that out of earshot of Miriam and the girls because they just on <laughs> a sad git. Uh, survive on sarcastic humour. My background must play a key. I was thinking about this the other day. I come from a brutal background, as you know, mm. and extremely brutal. Probably, I mean, it's brutal, and mm. uh, that probably hardened me. Mm. over the years and so I'm not easily uh, I'm not easily emotionally um, put off guard I don't 
tend to swing from one sort of mood to the next. I'm quite, I don't, I don't know why, but I'm quite stable. Um, yeah, and I, I love pressure. And you've been around me when I've had 500 things going on. I, you know, I just try and, yeah, the Lord has blessed me with a That's just quite cool under pressure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we're, we're 500 grand short for this year. Let's go for a Nando's. That, that kind of attitude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did, that, did I do that one today? Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think all the accountants were stressed out about the shortfall for the coming year, and you're like, ah, oh, the Lord will sort it. Fancy Nando's, Ian. And then you just <laughs> just walked off. <laughs> and to be fair, I think someone rang and gave a big donation while we yeah. were having the Nando's. From and are we, are, we, are we here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I never worry about the money. That's funny, right? And people yeah. go, you know, well, somebody once came and he said, you, yeah, you only say that because you've got money. I'm like, you don't have a clue, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had no money. 20 skins had nothing. Not, not a lick. Miriam and I, the first 10 years of our ministry, had nothing. Not a lick. We flogged our guts out. We, we paid our dues. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know what I mean? Um, people think, oh, it's this, you know, because we raised like, whatever it was, 1.7 million last year. We're like, um, it's it, like that. Like that's easy. It's not easy, it, you know. It's we've got to raise two million this year. I haven't got a clue where it's coming from, um, but I know that every year the Lord's provided. Um, and so, yeah. I, also, I'm just another thing that keeps me going. I suppose is I'm just a massive risk taker. Mm-hmm. I couldn't ever see myself being a sort of boring traditional dude is, is happy to potter about keeping things ticking over and you know and, and, and that's good life and churches need those guys but you know I'm, I'm more of a 50 ideas before breakfast guy and so yeah a, a combination of things so obviously the lord above all things and my background and personality i think i'm married so here's the thing so yeah, lots of lads like us. Obviously, my childhood was nothing like yours. It was a lot easier than yours. But come from a similar kind of. That's hard for you, right? Oh yeah, yeah. But but lads like us, uh, there's a big failure rate. Not just in ministry, but just even getting through the Christian walk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, why do you think we see so many women in the church? In our community, well, probably nationally, whatever community you're from, but women seem to do well, especially if they get saved later in life. But the men, flipping heck, we have so many car crashes. Why do you think? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that's true in our church. I'd say it's about 50-50. Right. Um, um, I think a lot of churches see more in women in their churches because they largely only see women converted in their churches. That's one. That's one reason, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it probably. I think it's just a problem with both sexes. And again, I go back to the parable of the sower. Right, the problem is not with the word of God or the gospel. Uh, the problem with the heart into which it, it's sown. And you know, we we fight for poor people, you and I, and we fight for them loud and we fight for them hard. But we don't. We're not these romantic idiots who think of the noble poor. Um, you know, the 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 sinners, aren't they? The the rats, just like. Um, everybody else and the concerns and the sin and the pride and the being caught up in this life they're all you know 
factors. There are other factors which are more difficult, um, is particularly underlying mental health issues, as we both know, is an absolute nightmare. It's, um, it's hilarious and not in a funny way, watching the news these days when talking, listening to reporters like talking about a, a, a tsunami of mental health issues among the, <laughs> the middle class in the da 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 da. I'm like, we've been living in this for a long time, mate. Welcome to the party. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, abusive partners, mm. you know, all sorts of issues why, as you well know, we, people end up walking away or have s struggles growing. I think one of the reasons we probably have less struggles than most churches, and we do have struggles, but people seem to stick is because there are a lot of people like us in, in our churches, there are a lot of people not like us. If you come to a, a saved in a largely middle class church and go to a middle class church, mm. it's a nightmare, isn't it? Yeah. From our background, man, man or woman, I mean, middle class view of discipleship is laughable, mm. and their understanding of the kind of support and discipleship required to um, help a person from our backgrounds growing grace and truth and mature and even be considered a suitable candidate for hmm. future leadership it, it, it's practically impossible isn't it yeah we are i mean i am a freak <laughs> of of the system hmm. um there's a scottish phrase here called that called it's a it's called the myth of the laird of parts hmm. and it's that basically says um the, 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 the education system or the theological education system is not against people from working class communities and the proof they say is in you so they would say if it's that bad how are you here yeah yeah how are you talking and, and it's a myth that says if you're here the system works mm. but no we're we're here despite <laughs> yeah. massive and I'm taught we are talking, aren't we? We know each other's stories, massive obstacles um, to get where we are. And again, that is just the providence of God, the grace of God. Um, and I'm hoping that we, you know, uh, your ministry, your work, our work with Acts 29, 20 schemes, the ragged school, you know, people are going to see that, you know, Oak, Oak Hill, or whatever it's called. Oak Hill, Oak Hall. Yeah, okay. It's a good place, by the way. Great place. Does good stuff. But those sort of institutions are these gospel partnerships come and get trained here. Actually, good. If that's your gig and you want to go and pastor in a nice middle class church, go and get trained there. But if you want to pastor with us or plant with us, here are some, here are some serious, viable alternatives. Mm. And uh, you know, I think I'm hoping that we'll be not the exception to the rule in the next ten years, but we'll see more and more of our our kids, right, coming through. Mm. But unfortunately, we have to eat shit to do it. Mm. And again, it's just funny you were saying that. So, so, so the reason I'm still here, I suppose, is because of my background, my tenacity. That even if I'm not doing it for the Lord, I'll 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 I'll, I'll do it to prove the doubters wrong, and oh, yeah. kind of. But but then where you're pretty much level emotionally, I'm up and down emotionally, and that I suppose history of mental health illness. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you've noticed, mess. I don't think you've. Noticed. I'm still waiting for you to deliver me letters. I thought you'd 
Busted at one point. You are, bro. We're waiting for you to deliver me letters. <laughs> what letters? Postman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I tell a lie. I do remember one occasion where you said, I was moaning about something. I can't remember what it was. And you said, oh, why don't you just shut up? Something. Remember that? Oh, I can't remember what that was about. Oh, no, that was when you were on the way at the airport with Miriam. And you said to me, I can't believe I'm getting advice from you, you lunatic. That's what... <laughs> I can't remember, but I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, our friendship's been good, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's good to have friends. Friends who are going to say, yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree, I agree. And friends who also say, you know what, though? Mm. Maybe we're, both, we're being dickheads here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that's, that's definitely kept me in the game. Having someone I know who understands me well enough to encourage me when I need encouraging, yeah, but also yeah. to give me a kick up the backside when I need that as well. And we all need a friend in our life who'll give them who'll give us their credit card one day yeah. <laughs> and a boot the next. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, I think that's probably why you're Esther's favourite uh, <laughs> preacher, because you're the only pastor who's ever given her a credit card and said to her dad, make sure you buy her a builder bear, take her for a big massive burger and a movie. <laughs> and then did you buy her a builder bear? Yeah, yeah. Nope. That's going back some time. Yeah, yeah, flipping heck. Yeah, that was the first time I, I handed my notice in. <laughs> that, that was pre-20 schemes, was it not? Uh, no, it, it just started, it just I kicked did. off, I think. Oh, yeah. First That's or years ago, seven or eight years ago now. Yeah, no, it was, but it was just, you just kicked off. It was when Matthew Spandler Davison was struggling to come to terms with your sense of humour. So it was... <laughs> <laughs> it was when Shabba used to tell you to behave because you'd upset Matthew. <laughs> Right, it's been an hour. Yeah, all right, bruv. I'll let, I'll we let you go. We should do another one. We should do part two. Yeah, we'll do another one, mate. It's just Honestly. been good catching up, to be honest. It's been good oh, catching it's up. great, isn't it? Yeah. It is good. It'll be good to catch up with you this week. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it, mate. I'll wear a mask and keep two metres away. <laughs> Can you drink I'll, beer through masks in Scotland? I'll just be in my underpants doing my things. So. Coughing. Coughing.